Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. You have your Bibles today? We're going to be going eventually to the book of Numbers. Welcome to Church on the Rock today. God bless you. I'm so glad that you are here. You know God has a plan and he has a word for your life. Here at Church on the Rock, we have a, um, um, a history. We have, we have a niche, okay? And our niche is, is that God tells us things before they come to pass. He prepares us for things before we encounter them. It's a simple uh, 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 principle of principles before problems. We have, you know, just, we just, I don't remember the last time we got caught unprepared, God generally gives everyone an opportunity to get ready for something before that occurs. We just have majored on doing our best to find out what it is. Spend time in prayer, spend time seeking and, uh, and, 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 and in the Word. And we are able generally to share the Word before something happens. So it's made me really have a very, very easy job in that I seldom have to ever, I, I don't even know the last time I ever had to address a problem. We just don't address problems. Once the problem gets here, you got to kind of take care of it. And then you try to get yourself ready for whatever's coming. You know, it's like getting ready for a test. Wouldn't it be horrible to show up and, at school and have a test over something that you weren't told about? You know, God's not that kind of a father. He's not that kind of teacher. He's not that kind of leader. He wants to get you prepared for the test because he knows that the test is coming. And if he can get you prepared, you'll pass the test. And if you didn't pass the test, Jesus can win because he has a goal of making you victorious. And so it's all tied together in God telling us things and getting us prepared so that we have principles before we have problems. The Old Testament is not just a historical account. It provides us a historical account of God interacting with his children. But you know, I've said it so many times, that the Old Testament for us is more of a road map. It helps us to know where we will end up if we go down the road they went down. And if we don't want to end up where they ended up, we need to get on a different road. We want to walk on the road of the victors. We don't want to walk on the road of the victims, right? And so we can read about it in the Old Testament and see how the children of Israel lived their life in a practical application of God's blessing, of God's leadership, of God's will and God's provision. And then we can fall in line and do what they did or else choose a different route. So it's a roadmap that tells us where our life is headed if we walk like that, if we talk like that, if we work like that. So such is the case today. We are going to be developing a principle. I do not know of any problems that we have. Many times when people, you know, preachers preach, people think, oh, you know, he's preaching about a problem in the church. You know, no, I, I don't know of any, okay? We are very blessed. And if we can just keep up this regimen of preparing before problems, then we can take care of problems, okay? All right. So today, without pointing a finger at any one of you, the message of our, uh, the, the, the message title is Rabble Rousers. Do you even know what a rabble rouser is? A rabble rouser is basically a troublemaker. Somebody that causes trouble. 
somebody that might be of a lesser commitment, a lesser sort of individual that basically is just a troublemaker, all right? And troublemakers are everywhere. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, the reason why we're going to talk about rabble-rousers is because the Bible actually uses, uh, uh, you know, in numbers, points at some of these rabble-rousers to make a point to prepare us for the test that we will face in life. You know, the book of Deuteronomy tells us why God chose the people of Israel. And it tells us why he didn't choose them. He didn't choose them because they were bigger than anybody else. They weren't special before God chose them, but they were special after he chose them. The fact that he chose them made them special. But why did he choose them? He didn't choose them because they were bigger or stronger or better or more holy or, you know. He chose them because he loved them. God, for whatever reason, found Abraham was a man that God trusted and God loved Abraham and God and Abraham became friends. The Bible says that Abraham was a friend of God. He loved God and God loved him. And so God told Abraham, listen, Abraham, I'm going to make a covenant with you and I'm going to love and bless your family and your descendants forever. I'm going to make them special, okay? Out of all the people of the earth, I'm going to make them my special treasure, it's not because they're, you know, they're good because they're not. But I'm going to love them out of my covenant with you. Boy, wouldn't it be great to be chosen by God? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome? Do you imagine how special you would be if God chose you? If God, I mean, whoa, the creator of the universe chose me? Well, good news, he did. Okay? He chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world, the Bible says. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a very special people unto God. You are the born again children of Almighty God. You have been individually chosen by God. Wow. And collectively, we are his people. How special does that make us? Wow. It's not because we're good. It's not because we are better. It's not because we are stronger or smarter. It's not even because we're more obedient or more holy. Because we aren't. Hello? You're no better than anybody else. The born-agains and the lost, you're no better than them. You're just special because God chose you. You're born again and you're headed to heaven. Praise God for that. But you can cuss just like they can. You can cheat just like they can. You can lie just like they can. You can steal just like they can. You can commit adultery just like they can. You can be uh, given and addicted to, to, to uh, uh, drugs and, and alcohol and pornography just like they do. Hello? You're not any better than anybody else. Now, you have a chance because you are born again to get Jesus to work with you and for you to manage your life in a holy, responsible, Christian manner. And you should because you are special. But you don't get perfect. You're not special and so God chooses you because you are special. God doesn't choose you because you are perfect. God doesn't choose you because you, you, know, you, 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 you worked or you, or you paid him money. He chose you because he loves you. And he promised his son that if his son would give his life, 
that God would in no way cast anyone away that would come to him through his son Jesus Christ. He would embrace them and love them and accept them and receive them and forgive them and help them in the nasty now and now to get them to an eternity where there's a sweet by and by. But God has a lot of kids today that are not in church. He has a lot of kids today that are recovering from a hangover because last night they were out partying and doing all kinds of evil and God loves them and cares about them and they don't know how special they are. They don't understand what God would be willing to do in their life. What price he paid for them to help them to no longer be bound in the cords of sin, to be lost and away, to be, to be in that place to where they're, 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 you know, without God, they have no idea how special they are. Because they act like everybody else, they think they are like everybody else, and everybody else thinks they're like them. And do you know as well that there are people sitting in church today all over America and around the world that are lost as a goose. Been sitting in church, probably some of them, for decades. And they are just absolutely, they're in the church, but they're not of the church. They're not all in with Jesus. They're just in the crowd. They're going to church. They sing the songs. They can, you know, talk the talk and, and, they, and they can look the part. But, but they're not born again. Woo! Man, that's, that's the reality. Well, it's, it figures into our message today. You see, God chose the children of Israel, and when he chose them, that made them special. They were family because God loved them. In Deuteronomy chapter 9 and verse 6, the New Living Translation says this, you must recognize that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land because you are good, for you are not. Wow. <laughs> God's not blessing you because you're good. Because guess what? You're not. Okay? You're stubborn. Hello, how do I know that? Okay. Well, how many of you are praying as much as you know God wants you to and serving as much? How many of you are just absolutely exactly like Jesus wants you to be? Huh? Anyone been perfect this week? Stubborn. Why? Anarchist. You just take back control of your life from the one who saved you, from the one who, who died on a cross and gave his blood for you. You just took back your own, you decided to do your own thing. Yeah, stubborn. Why don't you love and forgive and, and, and just and, and, and pray and, and do all and, and witness? How many of you led, uh, you know, at least 10 people to the Lord every day this week? Why? Okay, y'all get the picture, okay? You're no different than the children of Israel. You'd like to think you are, but you're not. I mean, you are born again, so you're on your way to heaven. There is that difference, but chosen children of God. All right, you're with me. You see, God loved Abraham, made a covenant with him, and, and, and he told him he'd love his family forever, and we are a part of the seed of Abraham. Now, we're not, you know, you know, you know, dastardly and we're not, you know, uh, but what I'm trying to get us to realize is the fact that we have an opportunity to be so much better than we are. And God would like for us to be that. 
He loves his children. He loves you. But just because you're born again does not make you perfect. You have to work on yourself, and you have to get the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in your life. You need to renew your mind with the Word of God, and you need to crucify your flesh daily. The Apostle Paul, writing in the book of Romans uh, to, to, to the church in Rome in the seventh chapter, he said, listen, I have found that there's a law. In fact, uh, when, when I want to do uh, good, evil is right there with me, and, and, I, and I'm warring on the inside with wanting to do good and, and, and doing bad, and I fail, and, 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 and every time I fail, I'm reminded that sin is in me. He says, wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from this body of death he says man I, I am you know I'm, I'm working hard on this we have to continue to work hard in order to bring the Holy Spirit into our life in a way that he can help us to manage who we are one day we shall be changed to be like him but right now I'm stuck with me me and Jesus are trying to make me better not so I'll get born again, but because I am born again, I want to please him. When Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, it was a great day. Can you imagine when Moses went down and told the children of Israel, listen, you've been enslaved, you've been in bondage, you've been, you know, Pharaoh's got you, he owns you, you've been working hard and getting nothing for it, you're being treated, come and go with me. God wants to deliver you. He wants to get you out of Egypt. He wants to get you out of bondage. He wants to get you out of the, 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 the land of sin. Basically, he wants to save you and deliver you from Pharaoh, who was a type of Satan. He wants to get you out of the world, Egypt. And he wants to take you to a promised land, okay? Come on, go with me. Well, the people didn't know what to think about it. It sounded too good to be true. Do you mean there's a land of milk and honey? Do you mean there's a place where, I, where, 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 where I'll be okay and my enemies won't be able to touch me? Do you mean there's a place where I'll be happy? Moses said, yeah. There's a place where you will live in a house you didn't build and you'll eat from vineyards you didn't plant and your enemies will be quiet around you. Yes, it's a great place flowing with milk and honey. Come and go with me. My goodness, who wouldn't want that? That sounds like my you know, winning the lottery. Yeah, sure. Only problem is Pharaoh won't let us go. Moses just said God will take care of that Pharaoh said I'm not letting them go ten times Pharaoh said no 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 and punished the children of Israel every time punished them and punished them and punished them and they finally said Moses look are you sure the land is worth this Moses said yeah God told me come get you guys he's gonna get us out of here y'all ready we're going to the land of promise such a wonderful land they said okay are y'all following me or am I going too fast okay so Boy, that last plague, boom! Moses and the children of Israel won. They defeated Pharaoh and all of the army of the Egyptians. And they became the winners. And Pharaoh and the Egyptians were the losers. And the children of Israel went and got the silver and the gold from the, from the, from the Egyptians. And, and the Bible says the children of Israel plundered the Egyptians. And they went out with a mighty hand. They went out victorious. They went out as, as conquerors. They went out free. They went out... You know, saved, redeemed, and Satan, Pharaoh, had no more hold upon them. Wow. They must have looked like superheroes. You know? Who wouldn't want to be a part of that group? Would you rather be a part of the winners or the losers? Winners. winners sure. And they're going to a great place. Well, there were some people who were not Jews 
who were Egyptians and perhaps some who were also of some other nationalities in Egypt at that time. Some people who looked and said, winners and losers. Going to a great place, somebody's going to have to make bricks. <laughs> okay? These people are happy. These people are sad. These people are singing. These people are crying. I may not be an Israelite, but I want to go with the winners. I don't want to stay with the losers. I may not be one of them, but I want to go with them because they got a better deal. Now I'm talking about some of those people sitting in church that aren't born again. Stay up with me. Okay. It looks better, feels better, sounds better. They're happier. They're going someplace. Whoopee! I'm not one of them, but I want to go with them. And so guess what? They went with them. There's a whole group of non-Jews, non-Israelites, non-children of God. Maybe some of those people had loosely converted to Judaism. Because maybe, maybe they had, uh, you know, out of the two million, uh, you, know, you know, Israelites that were in captivity, uh, no doubt the Egyptians had to do some, you know, trade with them and business and, 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 and you know, for their livelihood's sake, were connected to them. And, and maybe they saw how good their God was or, or maybe they just fell into, you know, 430 years they were there. Maybe after several generations, some of the Egyptians and their families also started, you know, worshiping, you know, in a form of, of, of worship of Jehovah. And they, 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 they felt like they were more comfortable, you know, um, uh, in church than, than in the world. And maybe they just wanted their children to be better and more moral and more, you know, and, 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 and have an opportunity to be around good people who are, who are not just always trying to lie and cheat and steal. And, and then maybe they, they, they wanted to teach them good principles of life. And, and so they raised their family around them. And, and we want to go with them. We don't want to be over here. We want to be over there. And so the Bible says that a whole group went with them. In one translation, it calls these people a mixed multitude. Let's read it. In in the New King James Version, Exodus 12, verse 38 says, A mixed multitude went up with them also, and flocks and herds and a great deal of livestock. The mixed multitude is talking about are those people who were non-Israelites that went with them out of Egypt. Okay? The New Living Translation calls this mixed multitude a rabble of non-Israelites went with them along with great flocks and herds of livestock. Now, the message says it this way. Same verse. There was also a crowd of riffraff <laughs> tagging along, not to mention the large flocks and herds of livestock. Riffraff, <laughs> tag-alongs, okay? People who, uh, you know, were there for different reasons. They weren't, I mean, they, they, they you know, they aren't born again Christians, but going to church is a pretty good deal. It'll teach your children how to behave and moral and, and it's good and it's wonderful. I mean, I don't want to necessarily be one of them, but I want to be with them because it's safe and it's sane and, and, and they have good songs and they're always happy and I can learn some motivational principles that will help me in business. Hello? I can meet some people and maybe, you know, they'll buy stuff from me. 
There's all kinds of reasons. But these rabble-rousers, these, these riff, this, this riffraff, this mixed multitude of people uh, was this group of Egyptians that, that maybe were loosely converted or maybe they understood the worship. For whatever reason, they wanted to tag along. However, we find that they were only pretend followers of Jehovah. We find as time goes along that they were really just tag-along, fair-weather friends. They never were really in. They never were really all in with God. And Moses was not really their leader. Jesus was not really their Lord. Moses and Jesus, same. They weren't really all in. At heart... They were shallow and selfish, and as soon as they realized that this trip was not all about them and that the promised land was not just on the other side of that Dead Sea, not just on the other side of that Red Sea, rather. As soon as they realized that this wasn't quick and it wasn't, it wasn't everything I want, I mean, oh, no. It didn't happen like I thought it was going to happen. I mean, I, I went with the winners, but the winners went out into a desert. Now we look like losers. They were right in the middle of miracles. I mean miracles everywhere. Can you imagine bread coming down from heaven like, 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 like honey wafers? Uh, honey, honey uh, oat cereal, you know, Cheerios coming out of heaven every day. And, 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 and it was wonderful. And your feet didn't swell. And you, there, there was not one sick person among you. And, you, and your clothes didn't wear out. And, and, and there was a, a rock that water came out of and gave you. I mean, you were fed. You were clothed. You, were, you got plenty to drink. I mean, everything was great. And, and, and they all went together. But Yet this riffraff, these rabble-rousers, these tag-along, fair-weather friends, a part of this group, soon they became very discouraged because it wasn't all about them and it was hot and it was a long walk and, and where, where's the houses and where's the fields and the vineyards and all you know. The children of God, of course, were special people because it was in their heart. The covenant was with them. But those people that don't have a covenant, those people that aren't born again, those people who really aren't all in, they are just there. They feel a little bit different when it gets uncomfortable. Are you with me? And remember, we're, we're helping to get principles before problems. Huh? You know, and, and, you know, soon they begin to complain. This riffraff, these rabble-rousers, these tag-along, fair-weather friends. Soon they began to really complain and and they were discontent, and they started to spread discontentment among everybody. I mean, it's like a, the discontent spreads, okay? Bad news seems to spread quicker than good news. Why? I don't know. Look at you. I, mean, this is, you. I mean, this is the way it works. How many of you will go to, on Facebook before we can say amen, get out of the church today? Looking for something. Looking for something to repeat. Same. These rabble-rousers began to complain, and what they were saying was true. It was true. But it was ungodly. It was ungodly, and it was truth perverted. It was truth taken in such a way that it changed the truth into a lie and made it look like God doesn't care about us. 
What they were saying was true, but where they took it and what they did with it was absolutely ungodly. Do you know you can't hide behind the truth and say, well, it's just true. Not when you're hurting people's feelings and not when you're dividing people. If one of your friends comes to you and tells you something bad about another one of your friends and then you go and tell that friend that their friend said something bad about them, even though it's true, it's divisive, it's ungodly, don't do it. The Bible says that whisperers separate chief friends. Gossip destroys and divides. Hello? Just because it's true doesn't mean it's godly. It was ungodly what they did. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 37 says this. An ungodly man digs up evil. Means he looks around for something. Digs it up. Hunts for it. Investigates. Tries to dig up some evil. Why? And then he puts it on his lips like burning fire. He's got to go tell somebody. Got to go tell somebody. It's ungodliness that does that. Have you ever known someone who, who, who got on board with the project, got on the bus, who said yes, who voted, who was a part of it? Yes, go to it. And then, and then once you get down the road and it gets a little hotter, gets a little hard, all of a sudden they start complaining and they start, you know, pulling away and they start, you know, they're dissatisfied. They start bad-mouthing the trip. They start bad-mouthing the food or the service or the leadership, pointing out things that, that are true but are wrong that aren't perfect and all of a sudden you got half the people on the bus wanting to turn around and go back and you got people wanting to go forward and you got this struggle this fight this fuss and why you ever been to a thanksgiving family dinner or a christmas family dinner and 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 and, and there's so much to be proud of so much to be happy for and so much wonderful potential and yet one or two rabble rousers will dig up a little bit and they'll start complaining about this that or the other thing and before you know it you got two sides of the family that never want to see one another again now we're not talking about issues or problems we're talking about principles we want to get some principles in our life are you with me on this? Okay? Listen, it's important not to, not to be influenced by people who are just digging up bad stuff and then telling anybody that'll listen, trying to stir up trouble. There are people looking around today trying to dig up something on you. And even if it's true, they shouldn't tell it. It's ungodly. It'll just divide. Don't be one of those people. And if you trip over something about somebody else, cover it up. Just because it's true doesn't mean that you need to take it and divide your family, divide your friends, divide your workplace, divide your school. You don't need to divide your community. You don't need to be dividing people. We need to be gathering people together. We need to be aware of all of the blessings going you see at the same time that these rabble rousers were telling all the problems that was going on God was performing miracles all around them I mean you know people's lives were being protected and food was coming from heaven and and all these wonderful miracles were happening they were covered by a cloud and a shade at, during the day and a pillar of fire warmed them at night and their enemies were being kept away all of these miracles and the only thing these rabble rousers this mixed multitude these people who were there but weren't really in the only thing they could do was find something to complain about you know, for the most part, I have found that people will remain content until somebody else stirs them up. Most people will remain content until you get one or two troublemakers in the group. 
that want to say something bad about something. Normally they want to say something bad about it because it's, it's all about them. This is my all about them stance. This is my all about me stance. Okay. All right. Well, all of a sudden, trouble comes up in a family or a job or a school, a classroom or a church, and it begins to, to cause people to be discontent over things that they really weren't discontent over before. Because somebody now is saying, I'm being mistreated. I'm being done wrong. I'm, I'm being left out. I'm, you, know, uh, you know, I mean, it happened in, in Acts, the sixth chapter. Uh, the, the, you know, the widow, they started complaining. The widows were being neglected because they weren't getting enough food, you know. Well, here we are in Numbers chapter 11. Have you found it yet? Okay. We're about a year into the walk. They had come out of, the, out of Egypt they went across the Red Sea. Pharaoh is, the army's drowned. And they're, they're out in the wilderness. Manna and everything's happening for them good. They've been over to Sinai. And they've, they've, they've received, you know, uh, the, 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 the Ten Commandments. And, you know, we're, we're, we're about a year into this or so. And, and uh, almost. And so here in Numbers 11, verse 4, it says, Now the mixed multitude who were among them, these are the rabble-rousers. This is the riffraff. These are these tag-along fair-weather friends. These are these pretend followers. These are these pretend Christians. Okay. The mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense cravings. What does that mean? That means they finally had all they could take because their flesh the intense cravings, they're, 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 they, they, they yielded. They, they, they were wanting, 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 wanting so much, so bad, so bad. And finally they said, okay, I've had enough. And of course they began to share with others and began to, to uh, you know, voice their discontent and voice, you know, uh, they've been done wrong. You know, I've, I've been mistreated, you know. And so the children of Israel also wept and said, they said the same thing that the rabble-rousers said. You know, you got to be careful because even as a born-again Christian, even as somebody who is a child of God, even as somebody who is all in, even as somebody who's special in the eyes of God, if you hang around people who are complaining all the time, you can also miss the miracles and start complaining and saying, you know, well, you know, who's going to give us meat to eat? We don't have any meat to eat. And we remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt and the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. They got it bad, okay? They got, the, they got this bad. They are remembering everything they don't have, everything that they did enjoy when they were in the world, when they were in sin. All of a sudden, sin looks better and the world looks better. And these people had been delivered by God. And they're on their way to a promised land. They're on their way to a great thing. They came out victorious. Problem is, they brought a bunch of uh, tag-along, fair-weather friends with them. They they, they they, they, they came along and now these people so dissatisfied that they have bred dissatisfaction in the whole group. Verse 6, now our whole being is dried up. I mean, look at me, look at my skin. I feel emaciated. I'm weak. I haven't had my garlic. I haven't had my onions and my melons, my cucumbers. What, 
What am I supposed to do with these wrinkles on these eyes? I have no cucumbers. My life is drying up. There's nothing, there is nothing at all in this desert except this manna which was Christ. The only thing we have is Jesus. And he's just not enough. The only thing we have before our eyes is what God has given us, the bread of life to sustain us in a world that is going to hell. We are a special people, but we can't see how special we are because the world looks so good and somebody's telling us that we're missing out. Somebody's telling us we're not having fun. Somebody's telling us we're being mistreated. Somebody's telling us that we're being withheld from the good stuff because we are following Christ. Moses, Jesus, well... Listen, these rabble-rousers stirred up so much trouble in the congregation that it overshadowed all of the blessings and the good things that God had done and was doing with everybody. These people were in the middle of the biggest miracle that the world had ever seen, and yet they complained. Every day God was doing his best to bless them, protect them, and cover them. And God was doing a good job, and his job wasn't easy. And every day Moses was working hard. Moses didn't ask for this. God told Moses, you know, uh, teachers don't ask. You know, I believe it's a calling from heaven. And if all they get every day is the things in the classroom that's wrong and the rabble-rousers causing trouble, the people who don't want to be there can make everybody not want to be there. And they can even make the teacher not want to be there. Policemen, they're here to help. But if all they get is all the fussing and the arguments and the, and the complaints, my goodness, who in the world want to be a policeman? Who would want to stop another person? You know, it may not be the crime being committed. It may not be somebody breaking into your house. It may be you being stopped because you went 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. Thank God we live in America where we can trust the policeman. Look at all the blessings. I'm so happy that I don't have to pay the policeman bribe money out of my pocket before he beats me up on the side of the street. I'm thankful to God that we live in a great place. Miracles all around us. Do you know you can complain so much about your job and so much about your supervisors and so much about your boss that everybody else will start complaining and then the boss doesn't even want to give you a job anymore. He doesn't want to give any. Why does he need to do that? He can make more money by not paying salaries. than He, he probably had more money before he started that business. But there was a calling to help people have their livelihoods. It's a calling of God to employ people. It's a blessing to have a job. If you don't think your job is a blessing, then God bless you to be fired today. There's your blessing. And if it is a blessing, treat it like a blessing. And stop letting rabble-rousers, people who are there but are not all in, people who really don't care, people who just want it to be all about them, stop letting them decide whether you're happy or not on your job. And if another hurricane comes and FEMA comes in here, I promise you they are going to be doing everything they can to help. They're going to be spending money. They're going to be spending time, volunteers and Red Cross and people and workers. And if they come to your house and they don't get everything perfect, shut up. Amen. 
I'm on my soapbox now. It's not easy helping people. You get out there and help some people. And don't expect to be thanked when you do. Why? Because of rabble-rousers. People who can't be pleased. The children of Israel got so depressed with their situation. And they were in the middle of God's will, in the middle of miracles, on their way to a great future. And yet they got so depressed because of this mixed multitude who lifted up a voice of discontent and started telling them all the things they didn't have. They got so depressed that they started crying and their families were crying. And Moses went to the tent, to his door, and he listened. And the families, good families, supporting families, families that he had helped, families he had delivered, families he had given his life for, were crying and complaining and saying, oh, we're being mistreated. Oh, God doesn't love us. God's going to kill us. He doesn't care anything about us. Moses, who is Moses trying to lead us? He doesn't know anything. Moses, it didn't just depress all the people. It finally depressed Moses. Moses got so depressed that he went to God. You can read about it. Read the rest of, of, of chapter 11. Moses went to God and said, God, look, I didn't ask to do this. Why have you put the burden of these people on me? They're your people, not my people. I didn't ask this. You asked me to guide them through the wilderness and to be their nursemaid. You asked me to help them and take them to a promised land. You asked me to do this, God, but I'm telling you, these people just cannot be pleased. In fact, God, let me tell you something. I don't want to do this anymore. And if you're not going to take care of them, God, then I want you to kill me right now. I'd rather die than go back to the way it was with these people complaining. I'd rather die than go back to the classroom with those kids throwing things at me and cussing me and not caring about me. Come on, teach our children better things than this. I'd rather die than go back to that job. I'd rather die than go back and do that again. I don't want to do this anymore. All I'm doing is trying to help. I, I just don't want to be a policeman anymore. I don't want to be a judge anymore. I don't want to be a nurse anymore. Nobody cares. They only point out things you don't do right. They don't appreciate all the things you do right. It's good stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Come on now. I know of no problems. We're establishing principles of our life because certainly in the future we're going to have an opportunity to hear a rabble rouser start complaining about stuff that we're not unhappy about right now but if we keep on we'll get right over in the boat with them and somebody hear the two of us complaining and then there'll be three and then there'll be four and then there'll be five and it'll grow and it'll get bigger and bigger and then we'll go to the mayor and then, we'll, you know, and then everybody just wants to quit. What would happen if Moses quit? What would happen if Jesus quit? Don't complain about Jesus. Don't complain to me about Jesus. I don't want to be complaining about Jesus. I don't want to complain about God. God's doing a good job. Okay? It's a hard job. Okay? Just remember. Just remember. Don't be a rabble rouser. Don't voice your discontent. And don't jump on the bandwagon with someone else. Don't let somebody else's discontentment 
drive you to being discontent. Three things we'll take away today. You can read the rest of the story. Number one, don't be a rabble-rouser. Fussing and complaining makes it worse on everybody. And for goodness sake, we don't want the boss to close the shop we're working in. You know, there's a way to approach things that need to be changed. You talk to the person that can change it. You don't get an insurrection going. Refuse to dig up evil. Refuse to listen to others who are digging up evil and just have burning lips and got to tell somebody about it. Just don't do it. Just don't. Just don't. Oh, just, just, just decide to take a step away from all of that dangerous, divisive gossip. Just step away from it. Step away from it. It's ungodly. It's divisive. Why bring trouble to God or to your family or to the classroom, to your church, to your job? Why do it? Number two, be thankful for the miracles that are happening all around you. Miracles are happening all around you. Be thankful for those miracles. Good things are happening all around us, always. Be thankful. Souls are being saved. Be thankful. Be thankful. Lives are being changed. People are being helped. When somebody is helped, be thankful. Don't just be upset because you weren't. Okay? Be thankful. And remember, God loves you. And God has chosen you to be his child. You are special. You're special because he loves you. Act like it. Act like a child of God.